we are again on the Bob Jeswold Show with Frank Shepard. He's a CEO of Feeding the Valley Food Bank. That's who we're going to talk to today. But before I get to Frank, I want you to know something. When it comes to Feeding the Valley, 18 counties covered in East Central Alabama and uh, West Central Georgia. Part of it, partnership there. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want everyone to understand something. Give back today. Understand nutritious meals are important. Remember those food desert areas. All this and more we're going to talk about with Frank Shepard. That's next on the Bob Jeswald Show. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. And I'm showing Frank Shepard right now on the WRBL app. If you look at it, News 3 Now, uh, it's event stream that's right here. And uh, that event stream is us. And that's what's really cool. We still, we still have... We still have that on there, but I think that'll be, it'll correct itself in just a minute. We still have the Chuck Williams show on there, but it's coming up with Frank Shepard. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well, Bob. Kids Summer covered six years of this that we partnered with you, but Feeding the Valley Food Bank's been around for a lot longer. We have since 1983, so uh, getting close to 40 years. Uh, Originated here in Columbus, and uh, we've been headquartered here ever since. You know, when you think of feeding the valley, people are thinking, well, okay, so this is anybody can stop by, pick up a meal. Hey, I'm down on my luck. It's it's not about that. You you partner with many different community leaders, and there's community partnerships within schools, and, and that seems to be quite a success to drive this program to make sure our kids are fed and not skipping meals. And we've talked about that for six years. I learned a lot from you. Absolutely, Bob. It's a, It really is a collaborative effort throughout the community. We work with a network of about 360 partner agencies, typically churches and other nonprofits, uh, but also have strong relationships with our business partners, um, the philanthropic community, obviously, faith-based community, uh, to, uh, to work together. And uh, many of those agencies come to us and get food, and they know where the needs are in their local neighborhood and their local community. Uh, help the homeless, to help members of the congregation that are uh, that are down, whatever the case may be. So they are really the, the, the conduit that gets the food out in the community for us. You know, obviously the hot topic is, you know, COVID 2020, and it really uh, drained a, a lot of the supply out of the uh, pantry, so to speak. So uh, we're in a situation like that. We always need more. And, and even on areas or days or whatever years that are quite well in the economy, we still have a need to feed. Very true. Um, We've seen since the beginning of COVID-19 a 53% increase in demand for our services. And we know that at our food distributions, 40% of the people that are there we've never seen before have never used the services of a food bank. So that's a tremendous increase in need. And we know that need's going to continue on for some time as people are getting back to work. But there are issues of you know, uh, uh, more uh, moratorium on uh, rent, uh, on evictions, and and utility, um, you know, uh, cutoffs and things of that sort. That folks are going to continue to financially struggle as as they put their lives back together after this pandemic. And so, the food bank is positioning themselves to be ready to help uh, individuals for quite a, a long foreseeable future. You know. When we were collecting food and we've been partnering with, with you for six years, we had our sixth annual Kids Summer Covered is what we coined it. Of course, it's benefiting uh, you all at the Feeding the Valley Food Bank. You have a lot of volunteers. And, and these are ways I always tell you in this program, Bob Jeswell shows about giving back community ways that we can make our community stronger and better. And we think of the children, but I've seen people pull up and ask, like, who can we go through? we would like to have some of this meal or get a benefit. They saw us on TV and it's not mm-hmm. that we're turning away. I said, well, wait a minute. You know, it's not, we, we, you'll find here's somebody will take your number. You have volunteers, you have people on staff too, 
that will take the time to call an individual back and be very specific to whom they need to talk to with one of those outreach centers. So how, how does that work? As far as uh, is individuals in need, um, yeah, one of the myths about the food bank is we don't feed people directly out of our facility. Okay, we we prepare meals and take them out to kids' feeding sites. We prepare boxes of food to take out, uh, and then we have those partners to take uh, you know the food back to their local neighborhood. So, but if anybody is in need, all they have to do is to go to our website, feedingthevalley.org. Uh, right there on the front, it says uh, "Need Food," and you type in your zip code. It will give you a list of all the partners uh, that I mentioned that are in in the local area to you, close proximity, their their address, their hours of operation, their phone uh, their phone number, and so uh, and when you're in need, you can call those individuals uh, and those groups and uh, and uh, see when they're open and go by and, and receive food from them. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's it seems like it's a it's quite a logistical you know setup, but you you have to coordinate all this and make sure it gets through. Anybody coming in that let's say United Way is part of this, they have, because United Way has so many different, you know, umbrellas, right. their umbrella over so many different other uh, nonprofits that could help, you know, push this, these meals out. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have a new way of doing it, the way you're distributing some of the foods, which made me think uh, a lot like there's Meals on Wheels, you know, the direct services who does, does this for a lot of our elderly and those that right. don't have anyone around. Feeding the Valley Food Bank also has this, but providing a pretty big area and generally what you see is a lot of the children, we do our kids summer coverage specifically for kids in school, but you guys, mm-hmm. you cover everything. So what, what is a general day like when you're, when you're doing this? Sure. And our food bank does cover 18 counties, uh, 6,000 square miles, uh, over a half a million of population and 120,000 of them are food insecure or, or suffering from chronic hunger. So uh, our, our day starts with our trucks going out and doing pickups. Uh, all retailers, um, um, food retailers, you know, Winn-Dixie, Win Walmart, Publix, some of your local places, donate food to us so our trucks go on regular routes three days a week to some places five, pick up food donations. Uh, and then those trucks are going to come back, and then they're going to load up boxes of food for one of our mobile pantry distributions where we take food out in the community to individuals in need. And we uh, we have 48 sites that we visit every month, uh, distribute about uh, food to about 15,000 families. Um, and so we go to the same places the same day of the month, the second Tuesday or the third Thursday or whatever, so the local community knows we're going to be there. So So those trucks go out, come back, load up again, and go back out. And um, at the same time, uh, our kitchen team starts at 6 a.m., uh, preparing what amounts to almost 3,000 meals a day for seniors and for um, for uh, children in our community. Speaking of children in the community, in a germane point, people are know you're going to be there, but they can't be there without the help of all these donations. And, and obviously, you know, being a nonprofit, how can we get people to keep helping? And people seem to always pull through, but specifically for the children, what have you seen, especially with the kids summer covered is only just a small little portion to be, I wish we could do it longer. You know, it's for a, a new station, a month campaign, you know, seven stops. I clearly, we, we just can't stop there. Mm-hmm. So to keep the, this, this, uh, food benefit alive and this, to keep it moving, you know, we, you're talking about 20,000 meals we're close to maybe a little more after today's campaign as this broadcast is, if anyone knows, uh, we're in the Columbus, Georgia area and surrounding greater Columbus area, 18 counties, as Frank just told you, you know, feeding, you know, 
you know, 16 counties, uh, how many million you said, or half a million? Uh, yeah, over half a million, 560,000 population. It's a lot. Yeah. And out of that 560, how many were we looking at kids? Right at, um, it, it's right around 30%. So it's okay. about, uh, excuse me, about uh, 160,000 or okay. so that are children. And, you know, when they're f- food insecure, skipping meals, I mean, they're just chronically hungry, hard to comprehend. Modern cities here in America, this is a, this is a true, true deal. So we're... Where are we? You know, although every year we know it's a success, we're, we're getting more and more meals, but that 28,000 meals, 130,000, that's not going to last very long, is it? We're not you know, even getting all of them. Absolutely. You're yeah. right. Uh, you know, and as I said, we're, we're up to preparing about 3,000 meals a day. So a lot. you think of that, five days a week, it's 15,000 meals going out. So, you know, 20,000 um, uh, meals is a little over a week's worth. So, um, so they, they go, they go quickly. And, uh, uh, you're right, Bob. Studies show that children who are uh, chronically malnourished are a good 20% behind their um, peers in their pursuit of academic success. You know, they're going to miss school more often. They're going to, uh, when they're in school, they're going to fall asleep, have headaches, stomach aches, all the things that detract from learning. So that's one of our main objectives is to make sure we can get kids the nutrition they need so they have the opportunity to go to school, to learn, to achieve, you know, to, to chase their dreams. That's, that's what we all want is that chance. That's a, that's a great point because we don't realize how much nutrition plays that role in a children's future. I mean, we, we always talk about uh, literacy even. Uh, up to third grade, if a child's not proficient in reading, they're not going to probably have a success rate to be a, an adult who's not either A, incarcerated or just not successful at what they're doing. Same thing with nutrition. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about feeding the valley to make sure these kids have nutritious meals. Out of that 130, 130,000 population or 30 plus percent out of the 560,000 that are hungry in our 18 counties. What, where are we at what age groups in that younger crowd? What are we thinking here? What are we looking at? About 35,000 of those that are chronically hungry or food insecure are children. So it's hard. Children on the age of 18. Right. So, and as you said, you know, a lot of it is geared toward making sure that the kids um, get on that track to be on, on uh, uh, reading level um, by by third grade and uh, because we know that if they're not uh, then the chances are they're going to fall further behind be more encouraged to drop out and then make poor choices in life yeah and we don't want to do that and and being part of this effort really helps to drive that and it's, it's a good point to make too a lot of times we we're trying to do the campaign to make sure people can make these monetary donations along with uh, pantry items and we want good food and we're not being picky at feeding the Valley Food Bank, but we have to make sure that the foods we get are quality because it's not doing any good if we're, we're helping the kids, but we don't want to be all sugared up or, or something that would be more processed. So what would you, sure. where are we on that? Well, we're making great progress. Okay. Um, uh, we are uh, we are part of the Feeding America uh, nationwide network of food banks. And Feeding America's job is, is to evaluate the work we're doing. And we are strongly encouraged to, um, to, Distribute more healthy food, what we call foods to encourage, fresh produce, lean meats, uh, you know, uh, items of that sort as opposed to anything that might be processed or, or sugary. So, uh, so you know, we're, we're doing our best to continue to, um, to um, distribute more produce. It's one of the reasons we built the new facility we did four years ago. It gives us almost five times the cold storage that we had before. 
more healthy food we can get in, the more we can distribute. So um, three years ago, we distributed about 350,000 pounds of produce. Last year, we did two and a half million. So. That's unbelievable. And their facility, by the way, if anybody, I mean, you can go online, feedingthevalley.org, and, and see this facility. It's it's tremendous and, and gives you hope and, and, and understanding. But it also... Uh, shows the gravity of the problem that we have. We have to have a facility this large. It would be nice that we wouldn't have to, but obviously necessary because of uh, where we're at in, in this day and age, and especially coming out of COVID, people loss of jobs, whatever it may be. Uh, and any time, this is so casual, Frank, if you just need to take a second, clear the throat. I got the same thing. We have allergies going on here in the Chattahoochee <laughs> Valley, so everybody knows, and I'm going through the same thing. I'm drinking tea. I feel guilty. I gave you water. <laughs> that's, that's fine. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, so here we are looking at, you know, our, our, our situation here. You don't want to turn down people coming up a canned good versus a dollar bill. You guys have a lot of buying power. Explain that when it comes to monetary donation versus a canned good. Sure. Well, the food that comes to us is uh, often federal and state commodities that are bought on a national level, typically 75 to 100 tractor trailer loads at a time, which drives the price down usually to about 10 or 11 cents on the dollar. So the comparison we make is, um, you know, if you bring me a dollar and I'm using that to purchase food, I can purchase nine times the cans of corn that you yeah. would hand me, um, you know, that you bought in a retail establishment. So, you know, so we encourage the monetary donations because then we can be flexible about uh, how it's spent. You know, we can leverage buy uh, and acquire the most product uh, for the least money and look for the most quality product as well uh, to be able to get and distribute th- throughout the community. So one dollar, six meals. Correct. It's, it's unbelievable. So if people understand this, and, and nothing, like, nothing like cleaning out the pantry, and we appreciate that. Any donation, no one's turning away. But, but think of that the next time. Anybody listening, perhaps if you, you can find it and you have the ability to do it, just think how a dollar can go a long way. Two dollars, five, ten, and you know the rest, the rest gets exponentially larger to provide these meals, which I think are more cost-effective, too, even for feeding the Valley Food Bank. I mean, you got to have somebody there to stock the shelves and you got to put them. I mean, it seems like they'd be more cumbersome, but dollar bill, Hey, they say, Hey, let's, let's get these meals and you can selectively pick the ones that we need. Right. And, um, you know, making uh, everybody happier and, and healthier too, at the same time and make sure we True. get those right foods. Yeah. People, you know, they come in, I find the most generous communities. A lot of times are those who had experienced a, a loss of job or a loss of a meal. And, and I seen a lot of that. And I'll tell you, this is open my eyes, Frank, over the last six years doing this with you, and along with our other News 3 staff, I, the first few years it was just me doing them, and now we included, and it's great, we are, our anchors are doing it as well, so they're kind of feeling it too, but it's, it's, it's um, sobering to see people of all different backgrounds and people when they come and tell your stories, and that even, even at this point may not have a lot, and they're willing mm-hmm. to give their last dollar. It's so atypical, isn't it, of, of our society? It seems like a lot of times th- those who are without or those who have been down and out, they seem to be a supporter to our kids' summer comfort, that is. Do you see that a lot? Or is it, you know, or is it pretty, you know, it's pretty even, Stephen, but it, it just seems like I, 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 I witnessed that a lot when I was, and it could be where the areas I was in, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, no, you're, you're uh, correct, Bob. It's a, we're fortunate to live in a very generous and caring community. Uh, and I can tell you, I, I operate 
in a lot of small cities and townships throughout that 18 counties, uh, and, and not many are as responsive as the Chattahoochee Valley areas, the Columbus and surrounding communities. And uh, we do see the, that a lot. We saw that today at Kids Summer Cupboard, somebody who had experienced hunger as a child, who uh, who had a difficult upbringing, uh, but, but pulled himself and his family out of it and, uh, and made a success of himself, came in and just had a whole back seat full of bags of uh, food, you know, and that, that really resonates with people when, uh, when they realize, you know, they were there, and if somebody helped them, then they want to turn around and they want to help as well. So uh, we're fortunate our community, uh, uh, community really gets that. And I can tell you our staff is the same way. We're a second-chance employer, employer. I've got um, five convicted felons on my staff, multiple felonies, but they straighten their lives out and, and they dedicate themselves to their sobriety. And they get it because they were there once. They were homeless or they were incarcerated or they were down on their luck. And they come in and they work hard every day because they buy into the mission. They realize what uh, the food bank does for the community, for those that just need a helping hand. I'm glad you said that. And I, you, know, you met some of uh, the employees and, and some who had maybe some drug addictions or whatever it may be, and they are incredible. They're, they're the most experienced. They're the ones who can bring, bring the positivity back into to this, this whole initiative, and they, they do a great job. And I think one comes, I think of, uh, and I don't know, I want to maybe say her name, but I, I had her on the other day, and she was, uh, she's fabulous. Got her yes. degree, smart as can be. She's just so solid. She's, she's, uh, she's inspires me, you know. It's yes. like, and they, you know, when you're with people like that that had hardships, uh, they're, they're the best people to uh, see the mission through, it seems sure. like. So, you know, when we look at that, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's interesting, we have, you um, we had one gentleman come in, I think, and Carlene, who's on your staff, Carlene Froker, who does kind of mm-hmm. your outreach marketing and stuff like that. Right. She was sitting there, and she she's such a sweetheart. And you guys all do. And I'll, I'm going to say this for you, bring on you guys for just a little bit here, is that you guys have a big hearts. You know, you, you just don't plop into a nonprofit. And, you know, you could say, oh, it's a comfortable job and this and that. You, you live and breathe it. I've seen you out. Um, you guys are passionate about it. You just got to be to do mm-hmm. the job. I mean, it's, it's, it's I want to say it's the same every day, but you got every day it's like starting from scratch all over again to get those same meals out every day you know after a while that's taxing right so without putting words in your mouth what what would you what drives frank shepherd and mm-hmm. your staff and, and i'm gonna get into the story with carlene in a minute because what her and i witnessed but mm-hmm. what what is it that you know how does frank you know how do you get through the day and do this and know that you know you want to see it end of course you do you know you don't but hunger is always an issue and where you know is we you think we'll ever get better or what, where are we? We we were moving strongly in the right direction. I can tell you before COVID, nationally there were forty five million food insecure people in our country, and we got it in the last six years all the way down to thirty five million. So basically that's, that's a good a good twenty million, plus 20 percent million. reduction. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, COVID nineteen has sent it right back to forty six million. So we're yeah. build one step forward, two steps back uh, kind of c- scenario. But, but, what, uh, but we're encouraged because it tells us we can do this. The food bank network is, um, uh, you know, more far-reaching than it ever has been before, that we are becoming more efficient, more effective, and that we can. You know, we, we can't uh, do anything about a pandemic that has affected our, our entire nation and entire world, uh, but we can be prepared to deal with it, and, and that's exactly what we were able to do. So... Um, that's what uh, my first career, Bob, I was an accountant and, you know, accountants always want to balance things. And I, sure. I'm looking at this whole situation and I'm going, okay, now 40% of all the food that is, um, uh, manufactured and grown here in the U S is wasted. 
every year. I comprehend. Some right. 70 billion tons of food, okay? Um, um, but, no, I'm sorry, uh, um, it, it, is, it is billions of pounds of food, okay? But then there's 72 billion pounds of food that is made available that is, that is not used, okay? So if you've got this huge supply of 70 billion pounds of food. And it's true, some of that can't be rescued. You know, part of what you had it at McDonald's, you know, can't take the fries and give them to somebody else. No, you can't. Sure, but I a lot that. of that yeah. food, you know, in the manufacturing sector, in the farming sector, and some of the retail sector uh, can be rescued. And then you've got these, you know, as I said, 35 or 45 million people that are hungry. This isn't equating. You've got all this food that's available, and you've got all these people that are hungry. Okay, well, then basically that's what the Food Bank Network is. It's that okay. conduit to bring that rescued food to those that need it. And, uh, it. Yeah. I, you know, we use the saying, hunger is a solvable problem. Um, you know, people might want world peace uh, to get in, you know, to get into to charity work and want world peace. And, want, well, you know, there's some things that are probably not going to happen in their lifetime. But we are encouraged that we can one day provide enough food for every food insecure uh, child, adult, and senior. So a lot of it has to do with just linking it up. Like I said, the conduit right. of making it go from point A to point B, and a lot of times it's just getting lost and, and disposed of, or just it's just becomes rotten if it's a fresh produce or something like that. Never sure. even thought it, never considered that. Mm -hmm. That's so we, we have, uh, you know, the food banking business is sophisticated enough to where we have lobbyists in Washington uh, because we need to go and lobby for, uh, for corporations to have better tax incentives to donate the food to us than to dump it in the trash or plow it under in the field or incinerate it in order to write it off and get the, the lower tax rates, right? Right. So, you know, if they have a better incentive to give the food to us and we'll come get it, we've got the trucks, you know, sure. we've got, we've got the network, um, we've got the logistics. We just need you to agree to give us that good, usable, quality, nutritious food. Uh, and, uh, and if you have a better incentive to, to do so financially, um, then, then it's more likely to happen. And that's kind of the direction we're moving. I love this. You know, when we do the kids summer covered, this is exactly how in depth I wanted to get with you. I knew, I always knew there was more to this and I'm always thinking, what is Frank, you know, cause Frank, former accountant, what he does during mm -hmm. the day, he just doesn't show up. And there's so much that goes into, to this. And, mm -hmm. and especially with, uh, food insecurities, um, could be, you know, healed in a sense, just by way of having people just have a better incentive, maybe write your congressman or state senator, or you got these lobbyists out there, change, get a, get a bill out there. It, it makes sense. It's a terrible thing to think about that. And it almost sounds like what happens in third world countries, not here in America. It, it can't, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, you know, having you in, in this much detail is, I got to tell you, is awesome because this is what I think a lot of people are missing when you can paint that picture of how it seems so egregious, but it is what it is. I mean, we, you know, if somebody's a big corporation, you hear a lot of times you can't donate food to the homeless if because somebody gets sick. I've heard that one. I don't know where that came. If that's still right. even a possibility, then you're responsible if they get ill or something. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's called the Good Samaritan Law. Okay. It's out there. It's a nationwide law that says if you have donated food in good faith, then if anything happens from that point on, you are absolved of, of any liability whatsoever so you know that's good to know uh, i did yeah, not know that a lot of people uh, okay. a lot of people don't and a lot yeah. of people yeah are concerned and we live in a very litigious society today right sure. so right. people are afraid that it's going to come back on them and they're going to be sued not the case you donate you know quality food in good faith 
um, then, you know, even if it might be bad and you had no idea or whatever the case may be, uh, you have no liability. Oh, that's great. See, Mm -hmm. I don't even know how many years I've heard that and so many places I lived, places like even Las Vegas, I was in there. And uh, down on Fremont Street, it was uh, years of having a lot of uh, folks that are displaced and homeless that, you know, are hungry, step over off of uh, I-15. There was an area there where a lot of the homeless population had to go down there and talk to some of the folks down there. And, and uh, it opens your eyes, you know, to see that. And the first thing is, you know, you, a lot of times people go, well, I don't know if I give them that money, what are they going to spend it on kind of thing. But th- there are ways that do we get the food to the homeless how does that work with Feeding the Valley Food Bank? Sure. And that's where our partner agencies come in. Uh, okay. Many of our partners, um, uh, United Way agencies, uh, we are a United Way supported agency as well. And in turn, 19 of the other 25 uh, United Way partners uh, help us. And several of them deal with um, homeless or people that uh, are chemically dependent um, and, uh, and things of that sort. So that's where we go to those partners and get food to them. Uh, to be able to to feed the homeless in homeless shelters or in homeless communities, uh, whatever the case may be, and some of those partners go right into those areas with directly with our food and and uh, and feed those that are in need. That's uh, I, I just I, there's like almost every rock, <laughs> you know, you're not going to leave anything unturned. You, everything mm-hmm. seems to be logistically there. Again, it goes back to let's get food, more food that is being wasted before it becomes uh, wasted, to get it into the tables and into the right hands of these agencies who can then distribute it. Because you have the infrastructure in place. We do. It's something else, Bob, that people should know. That, you know, they go to clean out the pantry and they see on the side of that can that, you know, best by date. Best oh, that, that's by. crazy. Isn't it? Explain. This is, I'm glad you're hitting on it's, this. It's, com- it's, it's completely a misnomer. That, right. is, that is a date that is, uh, that is mandated by the USDA to be put on food. Um, but those items have are good and have nutritional content for anywhere from two years up to six years after that date. Okay. See, and I, you know. my kids, I need to tell my kids this. They'll go through their, I don't know where these kids are getting this from. <laughs> my one, she's, you know, my 14-year-old, she'll pick up a thing and refer, oh, this is no good. It's like a day past the set. I go, what are you doing? Do not throw that out. Of course, our grandparents were from, and parents were from that uh, Great Depression <clears throat> era where you would never waste anything. And then I know there's a point where if it's got mold on it growing, well, that's a different thing. But you're right. If something's sealed, has that date, especially like yogurts and some dairy products, which I know feeding the valve, we don't, we don't sure. take non, we, we make sure we take non-perishable items mm-hmm. when we're out there live. But, but even if it is perishable items too, how much waste, you know, you think about that being wasted too. And I never even considered that in the equation. Yeah, very true. Uh, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to rescue most any item. You know, there's not many that we really uh, are, are concerned about the expiration date as long as it's, you know, within that range based on what it is. Now, tomatoes that are very acidic or something like that are going to be on the short end of that list. But, you know, green beans and, and cans of corn, those yeah. can go on forever. So, sure. so they can be used. You know, there are a few exceptions. One, of course, is baby formula. You never go past an expiration date on baby formula, okay. which on occasion we will handle if, uh, if it is given us and distribute it to our churches to help, you know, young members of our congregation that, uh, that may be down on their luck and, and have dependent children, things of that sort. But, uh, so yeah, there's, there's food that, uh, we would much prefer you bring the food to us. We have trained experts who are going to inspect everything that comes in and, and we'll make that determination whether it is a usable product or not. We much prefer you do that over just putting it in your trash can saying, Oh, I don't, I don't think it can be used. So I'm just going to go ahead and pitch it. I'm um, glad you said this is, this is, it's almost like everybody that's part of our campaign. And, and we're just a small little sliver, uh, uh, you know, just a, <laughs> can hardly measure that compared to the whole, uh, the whole pie of what's going on with feeding the Valley. But, uh, 
we could certainly, you know, make sure we make this point come out. I mean, I know people go to grocery stores sometimes and just go buy a bag of groceries. Some people will go in their pantry and let it out and it's okay. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. some food items that, you know, may have a little dent in a can and stuff like that, which some people would say, oh, you throw it out. Don't throw it out. That's a meal. Mm-hmm. And right. one can of Chef Boyardee could feed, how many meals is that? Like a 16 ounce, what would that be probably? How many meals could you get out of it? Is that considered one meal or is it by pound? I always forget it how many pounds be, per meal. Yeah, the, equation, the equation, because obviously food products can vary tremendously in weight. The equation we use is uh, one meal is 1.2 pounds of food. Okay, that's it. Okay. So, okay. so yeah, so you're talking roughly a, a meal there that, uh, okay. that would be out of that can. Okay. I mean, so folks at home, think about that the next time before we throw it in the trash. Uh, consider, you know, this is, is certainly an option and, and would highly uh, appreciate it because I think this is something really good. Mm-hmm. So getting back to Carlene and Bob, this is on a, a Monday. <laughs> this is back in uh, just was this past Monday, so it was end of June here. So June of 2021, you'll be watching this. And a gentleman came by in a pickup truck. And, you know, it being on television, of course, and I always tell everybody, my interns and staff, this is a privileged job that we have because I'm able to bring Frank Shepard in here to do a podcast or anybody I desire that has to do with giving back to community, positivity, you know, maybe it's health or whatever. And this has a health equation to it, obviously, as well. You know, mental health, if you're eating right nutrition and, and, and making someone successful in life. But when this gentleman came over, they recognized you because you're on TV. Because a lot of times they come, that's the hook. They, hey, mm-hmm. Bob Jizzle's there. Maybe I'll stop over there. So he pulls in a uh, truck, pickup truck, and he yells, hey, Bob know, And right away, you know, everybody's gone. So currently, you know, we just you say, hey, how you doing? You know, sometimes it may be somebody I know or I don't know. But this gentleman was very candid. His name was John. I'm curious to see if did a guy named, did you hear about that today? Did John show up on uh, Phil's live shot today? And I haven't spoken to Phil yet. And you might have been not, in the Yeah, not in the afternoon. I was, I was there for the there. afternoon. Gotcha. Uh, uh, so I don't know if he might have been in the uh, noon time. So it's possible. Maybe he maybe forgot. Well, anyway, his story was pretty profound. He came in, and I noticed he came in. It was, it was clear he had a lot going on, or post, or whatever. But very what he was saying was very... Very genuine and clear. He had a couple bags of um, some groceries he had. Um, so he did purchase something and he brought it. And I, you know, every little bit counts, folks. Like, you know, Frank just said 1.2 pounds, how that could, it's a meal right there. And then you add that up, just a couple bags of groceries could be, geez, it could be quite, you know, you can have 10 meals just, just like that, if not more. So he came in and brought those in. He was sweating profusely. Um, you know, he, he was pretty bombastic very demonstrative and, you know, to have my shoulder in this and, and that doesn't bother me. And I think it's those things that I like about this, you know, when I do that because I start seeing real people and cause that's really the reality. And he made that point. He goes, you guys do a lot of this stuff. And he goes, I want people to know, man, my life was terrible. I, I was a drug addict for many years. I was incarcerated for so many years. I, it's so hard for me to get a job, Bob. I, you know, I, I was uh, raped as a child. I mean, he had, he had a story and I don't think he was lying anything about it. He showed the death of his brother who was dealing drugs and he was at the wrong place, you know, at the wrong time and lost his life in South Columbus. And, um, he, he kept going on and on and he was telling me about how he's, you know, now feeling more spiritual, but he goes, I know the importance of kids and it just touches you. He goes, I don't want them to be like me. I wasn't eating right. You know, I got on the wrong path. He goes, anything, but just see where his heart was coming at little, his perspective on this was because he didn't want, he saw himself probably as a child. And we heard us talk about kids, some are covered. That's our angle that helps support Feeding the Valley Food Bank because we know we got to get them early to be a success as you, you drove that point. And to have him say that and hear these stories when you're out there, I got to tell people, 
if there's anything you can do to volunteer um, with any nonprofit, especially as you hear us talk today, like Feeding the Valley Food Bank, this is, this is one in particular. And never be afraid. These are real people. This is, these are the people you got to know who you're talking to. Because a lot of times I think when you see all the polished people were up there and we're doing the interviews and this and that, it looks very sugar-coated. But the reality on the streets, the people that are in need, these are our brothers and sisters. These are our future. These are people that are, could be productive citizens and they need a chance. They need an opportunity. Is this, you know, do you, do you see that? I mean, and, and I know yes. you guys, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy, Frank, because I think mm-hmm. when we're, when I'm out there and I do this kind of stuff, I say you, it hits at home. That's when it really resonates. It really hits at home. I think people who don't get that or get in touch with that, and, and I'll tell you, drop it, even taking the time when they drop things off and do it, they all have those stories, it seems like. So anybody listening to this or watching it or both, understand that this is a, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. And what you guys are doing for 18 counties, just in our community. I mean, we're in a rural area. If anyone knows where West Central Georgia is, East Central Alabama, we do have posts. We have Fort Benning, which I don't know if that's included in your, is that included with Feeding the Valley? It is. Is it? Okay. It is, yes. So that's a big deal, too. We got a lot of military. And we don't think about that either. You know, we got a lot of, you know, uh, guys who are just, uh, they're enlisted and they may just got in. They have five, six kids. You know, it's it's not an easy life. You know, you're not making big bucks when you first roll into the military without an education, and they're serving our country. We got to get back. So you have that. You have Chattahoochee County. You got all these counties all around, and you know, and we're talking 560,000 people. Very true. Yes, we uh, we provide. Um, we have a good relationship with Fort Benning. Not only do they come out, uh, they volunteer. We often have groups come out. Um, nothing like a group of OCS candidates, you know, with a sergeant uh, yelling at them to mm-hmm. see how many boxes they can put together. And a typical group will put 200 boxes in a two-hour period, and they'll do 1,300, uh, things of that sort. Uh, we also find a lot of, uh, a lot of um, um, soldiers that are PCSing that are, mm-hmm. that are changing to a, a different location, transferring. Sure. Uh, we'll come by. Typically, the Army will not move their food or, you know, perishable items food items uh, in their move, so they'll come and they'll bring what they had in their cupboard to us. So, you know, that's a tremendous um, opportunity. But as you said, you know, it's it's, uh, just hard to believe that uh, I think statistically it says that an E4, which is a sergeant, with uh, a wife and a spouse and two kids lives below the poverty line. Right. So, you know, they're going to struggle. They're going to have help. Often, um, you know, a spouse is deployed. I uh, the first three weeks on the job, uh, when I started this back in 2014, I took a call that was almost identical each week. And it was with kids screaming in the background. It was parents saying that, you know, we just moved. You got transferred here to Fort Benning. You know, the Army's messed up my pay, which, you know, it takes a while to get all that straightened out. And, you know, my spouse is deployed. And you don't think about that. That just gets to you. It when does. You talk about somebody there's fighting, you know, for our freedom and, uh, and their, their spouse uh, and their kids, um, you know, don't have enough to eat. So uh, we, we have a, a pantry on Fort Benning now, the Battle right. Buddy Resource Center, uh, where at times up to 300 boxes a month uh, are being given of uh, commodities to family members in need. So Fantastic. it needs to be right there. It needs to be in close proximity uh, to them. And, 
And uh, we have a number of partners, partner agencies that are right around Post as well uh, that help out quite a bit. So uh, we realize there's that need, uh, and we also are very thankful that Fort Benning gives back to us quite a bit as well. Well, as you said, I mean, it sounds like some of those guys may have been riggers, and if anyone knows what a rigger is, how much goes into that and checks and balances and putting a shoot together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, do two or three of those a day, that's a whole shift. But, I mean, they work hard and they can work fast to package all those boxes. And you hit on something there, too, which we haven't said yet, is about volunteering. What do people, what helps Feeding the Valley Food Bank besides those who are maybe in staff? Because your staff is about how many do you have? Uh, it's uh, 37 people okay. total in our three facilities. We have one in LaGrange, uh, have one in Albany, and we have one here. So uh, it's about, um, and, and seven of those are part-time. So right here in Columbus, we have about 20 full-time employees. Yeah, that's not a lot. No. I mean, it's really not a lot. I mean, you're, no. you're trying to feed this many people. And you're distributing 15, over 15 million pounds of food each year. That's what we're doing. How, now, do, you so. recruit vol- how do you recruit volunteers? Uh, we, you know, again, our community is very supportive. You know, our, our uh, major businesses uh, that are in the area, um, come to us. Our United Way is very good about sending uh, volunteers. As I said, um, you know, we have Fort Benning as well. Um, local high school kids uh, have to do hours of community service, and, and they'll come to us as well. So uh, we've got a great online system. You just go with, go in there, set up a profile, uh, one-time deal, and then you can go in and all the time see when there are slots available to volunteer. Volunteers donated 43,000 hours to us the last full year before COVID. That's the equivalent of having another 20 employees um those fifteen thousand boxes of uh, commodities every month volunteers pack all that so we couldn't do it uh, without the community no way could we pay another 20 employees uh, have them on our payroll so you know that's that's another case where the community is really giving back um individually through us uh to really help us out and and get more people fed so uh you know great opportunities to either be there and and pack boxes for us sometimes it's sorting produce produce often comes in by the tractor trailer load and and needs to be separated and inspected and then some folks go to our mobile pantry distribution sites where families are driving up and and uh, and hand out food to them as well so definitely couldn't do it without the volunteer support that we receive in the community Hear this message, boys and girls, hear it clear. Moms and dads and cousins and aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa to get that beta club kid. <laughs> Down at the Feeding the Valley Food Bank or any out there in the United States, anybody who can, uh, and you said the umbrella over there, you guys kind of work with America's uh, Feeding, what is it? Uh, uh, feeding America. Feeding yes. America. Mm-hmm. At, you know, you, and they look over there. So fi- find somebody out there. You know, you got, I'm sure Feeding the Valley Food, food Bank, uh, org. Uh, you have probably got links in there as well, too, or whatever volunteer thing. You can drop mm-hmm. down, fill out a sheet or something like that. I think that would be remarkable. I mean, and I think that is a good chance where people see that grassroots. We could keep this thing going. As you said, before COVID, you know, we're, we're really making a mark. I mean, when you start talking about a 20%, here we go again, back up to that 46 million mark right. of those who are uh, food insecure in our, our nation. It's, it's just, it, it seems preposterous. But as you laid out very clearly, you don't think about all the waste that's there. And that, that's that's still the part that's mind-boggling. And I, that to me, I still think it, there's it just got to be a way. It seems like it's got to be a way. So we, we did something to educate our kids with our partners' education on Pulse, since we're talking about that. And I like that. It's called the Buddy, what did you call it again? The uh, Battle Buddy Battle Resource Buddy Center. Resource Center. I mm-hmm. love see, And you could come up with creative things like that to try to get people in there to help feed you know, those in need, as they do on post here at Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, Army installation, armor and army and uh, infantry and armor, let's say, that's down here. And we are so excited about 
having our partners education grow a garden. So we did a garden, and I can tell you it was at Stowers Elementary. Several years ago, we started it. We did an S garden, made it out of a big S. So, and you hear a lot of these programs where the kids get their hands in it, they grow, and what they grow, they're going to eat. And they actually took some of the stuff. We made protein drinks out of kale shakes mm-hmm. one time at the end of the season. So when they saw their garden come to fruition, let's harvest Let's bring it to table. Let's let's eat. You're saying in town. Let's manja. There you go. But the kids, the kids were really tickled by that, and uh, hopefully inspirational. Hopefully, let them know you know what it takes. Don't waste food. Right. Where do we get that message through? How do we stop people wasting food? I do think you know it's a it's a, an education uh, in an effort that we do put um, some resources into as a, a national network of food banks. Uh, as I, I mentioned before, you know, understanding that food has a best buy date on it. You know, it doesn't, you shouldn't just, you know, pitch it out. Uh, bring it to your food bank and say, hey, is this good? Uh, cans that have dents in them. Cans can be significantly dented but still good. If the seam is not, um, you know, compromised or anything of that sort, um, you know, it can be used. So uh, so bring it to your food bank who has people that are trained uh, how to do that. You know, that's, uh, that's a great opportunity. Uh, and another way is, you know, um, uh, Monitoring your your purchasing uh, levels, you know, I think a lot of people go and purchase, especially perishable items, um, at too high a level, uh, and then those have to be uh, thrown out. By the time they get to us, they're not in good enough shape uh, to be able to use. So, you know, that's a another way as well. I, I like your conversation, Bob, about you know getting kids involved. We have a number of community gardens uh, throughout the school systems in in our coverage area, and that's great to see because. Uh, kids are kids get exposed to foods they otherwise might not get exposed to, and so they might grow it, they might taste it, and they might like it. So they eat it in the future, as opposed to if somebody says, you know, try cabbage, and you know, yeah. the kids, ugh, and uh, and you know, it, and and again, they probably will never go back to cabbage. But if you get them right. in that experience and give them the opportunity, uh, then you know, they might just find uh, another healthy food that. Uh, that they'll uh, consume for the rest of their lives. So. Raw cabbage is good. I used to love it when mm-hmm. I worked up on a farm in upstate New York. It's it, People think my one daughter thinks it's gross when it's cooked because it's soggy. I don't want it. It's mm-hmm. all soggy and mushy. But you take raw cabbage, clean it off. It's crispy. It's got a good taste to it. It's, yes. it's sweet. It's 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 a good it's a it's a good nutritional you know snack. I mean, mm-hmm. why not? And then they said they had their uh, they had their uh, carrots. And um, they had, I don't know if we had tomatoes that one year, but we, and they have it again now. We, we're just taking it for granted. I mean, it's a yearly thing. So we've already gone through, when we first had the garden, those kids are probably upperclassmen now. They'd be fifth grade there at Stowers. So some of them actually seen it from the time we started and they're already, you know, experts in the garden, so to speak. And right. hopefully, like you said, you have all these programs with the schools, gardening programs that can really make make a difference. I think... When you handle food and you see it, you realize how precious it is and how nutritious it is. But you know, don't don't waste it. And you can only say that to somebody so so many times. But um, by no fault of anybody, I would say a lot has to do with again loss of jobs. Or mm-hmm. um, we talk about food deserts. Talk about those areas too, as far as those communities. What does that mean? I know it is, but just so the you know the listener and viewer understands that. Sure. Uh, food desert, and there are many of them throughout our coverage area, basically are areas where um, individuals live that do not have access to a quality source of food. They either, uh, because of the distance, uh, and it's typically five miles or more, don't have um, transportation. There is no public transportation. They don't have the resources to, you know, have a cab or uh, or anything of that sort uh, come and get them. So 
Um, and, and unfortunately, if there's anything in that community in terms of source of food, it's probably a convenience store. So the food they're getting uh, is not mm. is not quality and adequate. Um, yeah. And and it's another way in which the food bank can help is. Um, you know, if we have quality produce, what we know is produce is expensive also, you know, good quality produce. So uh, we give all our produce away free of charge. So individuals that are having trouble, um, you know, we'd, we'd prefer they get, um, you know, our, their, their uh, produce from us uh, and, and be able to, uh, to stretch their, their budget much further. But uh, we definitely have a lot of very rural areas um, in our communities. Um, and between here uh, we go up to Troop County in the north, and we go down to Doherty County, in which is the Albany area in the south. In between um, Columbus and Albany, there are a number of very rural uh, counties. Uh, and six of the top ten counties in the state of Georgia, in terms of people, percentage of uh, population and food insecurity, are in that range. Six out of the top ten in the entire state, from Columbus down to Albany. And so... Um, you know, very rural areas, very sparsely populated, uh, but but there's there's not many opportunities down there. So unemployment is extremely high. Um, substance abuse is extremely high. Uh, a lot of things that are not going well. So we concentrate in, in being in those areas and making sure that we get some nutrition uh, to the individuals that are in need in those communities. For Feeding America, you know, specifically in our area, Feeding the Valley Food Bank. I notice a lot of churches, too, if people want to get involved. You know, I know uh, I'll see them package foods, and they may have some stuff. I, I volunteered one time and did that and never really gave it an, another thought. But just think, if you didn't even have Feeding the Valley Food Bank and how many meals you're providing, every little bit helps, of course, in these small little groups that may get food donated from somewhere else or whatever right. to try to disperse it, try to get it out there, I'm sure, to help. But... Since 1980, since, what was it, the early 80s? 83, yes. Does it seem like, and I don't know, maybe this is a crazy, I'm leaping here on something like that, but I start thinking about, like, industrialized farming. Is there a benefit to, and I don't mean, and if you can't answer that, Frank, I know I'm trying to think, because you think industrialized farming makes sense because it's quicker, it's fast production, you can do more. Um, but would there be a difference between that and maybe more keeping it more organic and back to the basics as far as nutrition, or is it the mass production side or would it even make a difference? Sure. Um, you know, and, and we look at it from the perspective, Bob, of, you know, individuals donating food equate to a, a significant amount of food, just like, you know, manufacturers who were giving us a good bit. So while you probably have some smaller mom and pop farmers who, who don't have necessarily the technological advancement, uh, they're still, they're ones that donate uh, quite a bit of food to us. Um, Obviously, those that are highly industrialized and highly, uh, a great deal of technology and automation uh, can produce a lot more food. So, you know, more food is going to come from them. That's true. But, you know, it, it, the old saying, it takes a village. Around here, we like sure. to say it takes a valley, right? So, yes. yeah. you know, to, yeah. uh, to do that. And, um, you know, so food drives are over a million pounds of food that come into us every year. Um, donated food altogether is about 6 million pounds. So that's 6 million out of the 15 million that we're going to get in and then distribute out uh, during that year. So if we didn't have that, you're taking away, you know, uh, roughly 40%. So um, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it's important to us. Uh, no amount is too small. And uh, that's why we appreciate those folks that are leaving town or moving or whatever that will donate uh, their food because we can, we can make use of it in some way. Yeah, see that that that's uh, that's what makes 
more sense again, Nick, that mm-hmm. it's that it's a continued support from every little bit. So every little bit makes a difference. Every little bit helps, so to speak. What we did on our drive and get back to our, our we, you know, the kids number covered in six years for us working with you all and, and, and trying to get this pushed through. We have a lot of folks getting behind it. Uh, community sponsors, those letting us host these these areas and stuff. It, it takes a lot of work. It's a lot of it's a lot of hours if you think about it. You know, we had seven of these, and you think of what we received, and, and, and definitely very gracious in how much we had. But what it does take work. It takes a lot of work. It does. It's a, it's a, and this food banking is a pretty sophisticated operation. I mean, it really takes a lot of. Uh, a lot of logistical layout there to figure out. You know, you only have so many trucks because they're very expensive. Uh, we have a relatively small staff, so it all has to be choreographed, really, to make sure that we're we're maximizing the amount of food we get in and the maximizing the amount of food we distribute. Right. So, so it is a, it is a significant effort to make sure that we're util- utilizing our resources in the best way, and and then being um, being spread six thousand square miles apart. I mean, we have a facility in Lagrange. It's about 40 miles down to our headquarters here in Columbus, and it's another 90 miles down to our facility in Albany. So, Thanks, right. you know, you've got to have a significant amount of food product in each of those areas. Uh, and, you know, so you have to make best use of your wheels on the road is they're not only doing that collecting and distributing food in your local community, but also getting food from one facility to another to another. That's unbelievable to think, you know, how much that is. And we're only talking about this part of Georgia, West, kind of like sure. West Central Georgia. And that's not extreme North Georgia. This is from what Troop County, if anyone knows, is just, um, you know, 60, 70 miles to Fulton County. And then you, you, you get all right. the way 90 and you're in Albany, which is getting more south, south uh, central Georgia. So that's that's a lot of territory to cover, but it's still not yet the whole entire, uh, whole entire state what we're looking at. Learning more and more about this, in your eyes, where's the most troubling spot? That if you can snap your finger and say, out of our 18 counties or whatever, what would be the, the dream solution or what you would like to see? What part of our community needs the most help or maybe, in your own words, needs that attention immediately and you can make it just go away? What would be, where are you trying to tackle or you think there's... We need to work harder on, or whatever it may be. Where, where is that? We, uh, is you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time. We just um, we took over the the four counties to the south, Doherty, Lee, Terrell, and Calhoun, that kind of make up the Albany footprint, just a couple of years ago, and that's an area that has suffered um, mightily hurricane. over the yeah. years. Every hurricane, hurricane every flood, right. every tornado goes through um, our area. It's going to hit. It's going to hit right in that 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 uh, that section of the state. Uh, everything. And so then you have COVID-19 come along. It was one of the first hotspots in, in all the country is uh, is Albany. So a uh, community that has, has, has struggled, um, you know, mightily that just seems to get pounded every time they turn around with some sort of natural disaster. Uh, but, you know, it's a very resilient community and it's a it's a great bunch of folks. And we, we are doubling our efforts down there. Uh, we've just purchased a new facility uh, to be a much bigger, uh, much more capacity for our efforts down there um, and we're in, in the uh, process of retrofitting that now so that um, we'll have an exponential increase in capacity down there to help out folks who have, have really needed a lot of help um, in the community That's and uh, you know but there are pockets of poverty bob all yeah. throughout all of our communities um, you know the the food insecurity rate is at 20 percent or above in all of our counties except for one so, you know, that's one in five people, and sometimes it's up to 28% or 
you know, one in less than one in four people that are chronically hungry in those counties. So there's just so many uh, areas and, 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 you know, we know it's kind of spread out with little pockets and in little communities um, throughout some very rural areas that are, that are hard to reach. But, you know, we've, we've invested in technology that will allow us to produce a lot more meals um, we bought um, pieces, a couple of pieces of equipment. One is a chiller and one is a sealer. So basically we can make healthy um, meals, what we used to call TV dinners back in the right, day. Right, we don't right? want to see you that, know, right? Know, that's right. <laughs> too much sodium. So, yeah, too absolutely. much sugar, sodium. Well, you get so, that. Yeah, healthy, yeah. exactly. Healthy, healthy meals um, and, and a wide variety. We can also cater to dietary needs, be it for the uh, the senior population or for individuals that may have diabetes or, or whatever the case may be. We can make those meals in those containers. The chiller brings them down to an appropriate temperature, seal them in that container, and then flash freeze them. Okay, oh, wow. they'll have obviously a much shorter shelf life because they don't have the preservatives and everything in them that you would have in a, a typical retail establishment. But it does mean that we can stockpile meals and then we can deliver them in a much more efficient manner. Okay, uh, our truck can go to a spot. One, uh, one time on Monday and deliver a whole week's worth of meals as opposed to going every single day to that same site to feed the kids in that community. So that will give us the opportunity to hit those little pockets, those little rural communities, and, and get a good supply of food um, to them, to all individuals in need. So it's a tremendous opportunity that has been grant-funded recently uh, that helped us. Its first help was with COVID-19 and the fact we couldn't have congregate feeding anymore. We were yeah. feeding 50 yeah. to 150 kids at 26 different sites throughout our community, a hot afternoon meal each day. Well, you know, you can't have that cafeteria-style setting anymore. So we had to think outside the box. First, we went with just cold grab-and-go meals, sandwiches, um, you know, a snack, a fruit item, things of that sort. But certainly kids get tired of the same sandwiches day in, day out. They're much more um, expensive and, and much more time-consuming. So we said, where, do, where can we go from here? This flash freezing and sealing is is uh, the opportunity for us to not only get back to feeding as many kids as we were feeding pre-COVID, but to increase that, potentially double it or more uh, going forward. The flash freezing, does that go back to my grandmother and that? You don't want anything to spoil. So if you've been cooking sauce all day, don't just slap it in the refrigerator. you got to keep it uncovered to let it cool properly is that is that what the flash freezing process sort of does or is it yes in essence it is yeah. as i said and it's it's making um you know a nutritious meal uh that uh that you know we can we can get to seniors as well as we can get to kids um you know that they can put it in their freezer a whole week's worth at a time in some That's cases right. and then you know have food to to be able to uh, call upon when needed so these are perishable, no preservatives, which makes it even better. Right. But yet, but the way the process has to be, that is great technology. Kind of came out of COVID, though, which sort of prompted this, right? Or it, this- it, it did. Food banks across the country were starting to look into this um, because of its its logistical advantage. Um, you know, since uh, transportation and trucking and everything is one of our yeah. greatest expenses. And so we're looking how to more efficiently and effectively uh, distribute meals. So we're kind of getting into that. And yeah, COVID accelerated that quite a bit. Sure. So, sure. Uh, well, now you can get it in the truck, get it loaded, packed, get it to the destination effectively. 
And it makes sense without any spoilage or, or waste. And you could probably produce a lot more then. Right. It yeah. says we get uh, we get in there and then we can take, you know, downtime in the kitchen and continue to pr- produce meals because we have huge freezers. So we can, uh, you know, so we can we can stockpile them up till that range of, um, you know, acceptable shelf life. And, um, you know, we have nutritionists that we work with to help us to determine what is the appropriate shelf life for meals of that sort to make sure that we're, uh, we're staying well within that range. Food insecurities, uh, summer worse. That's what we did. Kids summer cover my understanding, which prompted a lot of our, our upper management to see this as a, a, a great opportunity to show WRBL giving back mm-hmm. is to, you know, get, get to these, to our kids. They're skipping meals. What what's the worst case scenario have have you seen or heard of? The- Absolutely, I can tell you. My my yeah. wife teaches in a Title One school here in this community. Teaches third grade. Title One too. Okay, this and is so, interesting. Yes, yeah, so, so get- very economically uh, disadvantaged area. Yeah. And she said, Frank. She said we can spot them when we come in the door. Kids who have not eaten anything since they left uh, school on Friday, Gosh. and they come in the door and they're staggering. Um, but as soon as they smell that cafeteria food, they get a burst of energy. They go tearing in there, and they have to physically restrain them to keep oh. them from eating the food so fast that they're going to turn around and immediately be sick. That's, that's to me, that's, that's like so, that's, that's, tough. Hard, that's, that's tough. That's heartbreaking. There's my, my staff right over there waving their guys, take it easy. But, you know, Frank Shepard, CEO, Feeding the Valley Food Bank, serving 18 counties with more than 550,000, 560,000 people that they're feeding and making sure they get the proper food to the right places to outsource it and also providing meals. Can't thank you enough, but it is, it's, it's a reality. Food insecurity is reality and volunteering is a necessity. Whatever it may be, give back to community. Frank, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Bob. You, Enjoyed it very much. You've been awesome. And you can catch all our episodes coming up here, of course, at WRBL.com. You can check me out on Facebook at B. Jeswell Community Page. You can check me out on Instagram, uh, WRBL Twitter. And check out Feeding the Valley Food Bank. You'll see it plastered down here. We have a link for you. Feeding the Valley Food Bank. Maury, you did a great job today, our director. It's our third show. She's doing great. And uh, .org, we'll put that on there. So when they click that link, find out how they can volunteer. Soon coming up on Spotify, Audible, and Apple, and uh, hopefully you can find us there as well. But podcast every Wednesday, 7, 6 Central, the Bob Jeswell Show. And remember, always give back. Take it off of thyself. Be a productive citizen, and you can make a difference. Thanks, Frank. Thank you.